Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Well, night has fallen on the Mojave, and it sure is busy out there. Out here tonight, a few too many cars. They've got the big music festival going on down in the low desert. All kinds of entertainment and spectacle. Top-tier entertainers and large-scale productions. It's like the stardust on the strip never came down, was never destroyed with explosives at the end of the 1970s and 80s Desert Weekend stage extravaganza era. Those Vegas shows with hundreds of dancers, scores of musicians, the top vocalists and band leaders. Las Vegas won that war, the Glitz War. And so a lot of visitors are around. And people do want to come up and see the high desert, which has recently become popular with travelers and weekenders, especially due to the Mojave Desert's appearance in many popular movies. Popular movies such as 1979's The Muppet Movie. Now, there was a part when the various Muppets are stranded in the desert after their beat-up old car breaks down. It's not their car, exactly, as it is a car stolen from a hibernating bear, I believe a relative of one of the other Muppets. But then they have a nice campfire out in the desert, and they talk about their failed dreams. You see, they had dreamed of getting out of their various bad situations, Florida, etc., and heading west to Los Angeles, where they might find work as low-budget entertainers, clowns, and idiots of various sorts. Animal-human hybrids. God knows what they are. Or what they were supposed to be. And then the car broke down. They claimed it was New Mexico, but there aren't any Joshua trees in New Mexico, not by nature's hand, anyway. And many other movies and videos, many movies and videos with memorable scenes filmed in the Great Mojave Desert, the Great Mojave Wilderness. Exterior Desert Night. We knew right where you were. Well, there was Star Wars up at Dante's View in Death Valley, and I don't know what else. Oh, but what I do know is that I never get over the fantastic luck. The fantastic luck of having the National Park Movement, the Land Conservation Movement, the Wilderness Act, all these fantastic human advances in thought and deed. I never get over how we've been able to set aside so many of these great landscapes and ecosystems in the West and how it was made possible by an accident in time that our human morals regarding desert conservation arrived at a time when much of the West had been claimed and set aside as public land 
because it had no immediate agricultural value, no immediate use as urban habitation outside of a few ancient communities around the few desert rivers that flowed more or less reliably. It's like it was meant to be, like maybe John Wesley Powell set things in motion after all. That Mary Hunter Austin and John Muir and all these early writers and philosophers of the West saw the horizon ahead, knew what they did would make a difference down the road and down the trail and down the river. You have got to be able to appreciate the good, appreciate what has happened, and study the past to figure out the future. You cannot go around fuming about the fallacies of those who could not manage to do it to your own personal specifications. You have got to acknowledge the good that has been done that is being done. And then if you're so pure you will be able to lovingly assemble the knowledge of the good people who came before you, who work alongside you, your sisters and brothers, your friends and your neighbors, your comrades and your frenemies, and improve upon what they've done, giving proper credit along the way and for the common good of us all. It's good to remember the good things, good to remember the good luck we've had in the past. Especially the recent past. It's good to try to be an optimist when you can stand it, and an optimist has got to accept that moral evolution is going to have its dips, its market corrections. We're going to get there. Maybe we are getting there, and now and again you have the wind at your back, and you just know. And you're right there, making one of those weird and disruptive leaps forward. And if you look at the horizon in the golden hour, you just might see the right kind of future. We can do it. That's the crazy part. We can do it. We can do it. We know how. Lots of little ankle biters trying to slow you down. But they are at the end of their line. They are weary and they are tired from a life of sin. A life of shame. An existence of human garbage and moral sewage. Oh, they're just the worst. We've always got some of them. And it's a happy thing to consider that despite the noise, despite the backsliding and dirty tricks and plain old mobsterism, the other side of all this is going to be something else. Anyway, welcome to the desert. Wherever you are tonight, welcome to the desert. You want to get out in the desert when you can, and you want to kind of disappear with purpose. Find a quiet place. Oh, for the love of God, do not come to the high desert for the nightlife. We don't have any, none that you'd want anyway. Oh, the nightlife ain't no good life. 
but it's my life. Willie Nelson wrote that. And he did not write that here. Come up here to enjoy the quiet. Come up here to be quiet. It's nice to make some food and sit around the fireplace, look up at the night sky, get a night or two's sleep without the upstairs neighbors stomping over your head. And if you get too lonely, why, you can go over to Pappy's on a weeknight when there's not a line outside the door, and then you can have yourself a beer. It was maybe a decade or so back when you could cruise into Pappy and Harriet's on a Sunday night and go right to a picnic table by the dance floor, and there would be Victoria Williams drawling out a Bob Dylan song, Positively 4th Street or something. I mean, Victoria Williams is part of this hot local band, our Sunday night church, Solid Ray Woods on the drum kit. And then he'd sing a soul song, Little Kids on the Dance Floor, what a time. A desert highway honky-tonk or a ranch dance or any such thing is special because it's rare. It's rare to go out when you live on a ranch, when you're way out at the end of Wonder Valley, when you've got a mining claim or you're working at one of the desert study centers. It's Isaacs or the Granite Mountains or the White Mountains. Maybe you're working up at Deep Springs or at the Deep Space Antennas or at Area 51 and now and then you've got to get out there with the bright lights and loud country music. Near beer and Moab, 12% craft brew IPA in the Eastern Sierra or Bend, Oregon. Oh, it's fun to be around people when it's a novelty. One of the friendliest saloons I've ever enjoyed is the bar at the Furnace Creek Ranch in Death Valley. It's just a little bar, but the fact that it's the only saloon around makes it special. It makes it friendly and enjoyable. You've probably been outside all day, walking trails, exploring canyons, maybe bicycling down the two-lane alongside large motorhomes and tour buses. And now, it's nighttime. And it's cooler out than the welcoming lights and the ruckus and the jukebox music lure you in. Well, let's just drop in and say hello. Get a beer and some onion rings, rack them up on the pool table, and if it's a quiet night, that's all good enough for an hour's nourishment, and off you go. Maybe off to read a book or spend a nervous hour or two on the internet digesting bad news. Some nights will be different, of course. Some nights will be memorable. A couple of years back, on the night of January 27, 2015, the Black Sabbath musician Geezer Butler got into a bar brawl in Furnace Creek. It was a Tuesday night, incredible. 
Well, Geezer, who was 65 years old at the time, well, he got into an argument with somebody right there at the Furnace Creek Resort. And next thing you know, the Inyo County Sheriff's deputies are out there. And there were broken windows and somebody got knocked around. It must have been a memorable Tuesday night in late January. I had just checked out of that place a couple of days before. Well, Geezer was sighted and hauled off to sober up. And who knows what else happened? Who even cares? It's just an oddity. It's just a way to illustrate a point. Anyway, nobody likes that guy at a bar. Even if that guy formed Black Sabbath with Ozzy Osbourne back in 1968. I mean, who cares? Just don't start a fight in a bar. Good Lord, we've all got enough bad things to deal with in the daytime hours. Joshua Tree Wilderness. It's Open Lines on Desert Oracle Radio. Western Mojave, dial toll-free 760-733-9969. Eastern Mojave, dial 760-733-9969. Wildcard line, dial 760-733-9969. And now your host. You know, I just find it very interesting that we're just learning (laughs) that we are supposedly just now learning about something Truly remarkable. You see these images and it's... It's breathtaking. Are they real? Is any of this real? You look at these pictures and I'm sure you're looking at these pictures on your home computer tonight and... It boggles the mind. Astonishing. It's astonishing when you think about all the rumors, all the theories, the documents, the photographs, of course. But until now, until tonight. Until tonight, we perhaps did not grasp the... I guess I should say the complexity of the situation... And we will hear much more about that, of course. We'll hear much more of that in the third hour with our very special guest. Oh, I think you know who it is. Our very special guest returning for the first time this year. The great lion and 
his field. The one and only Dr. Wyndham Hill, joining us tonight on Desert Oracle Radio. We're going to open up the open lines. You know what that means. I have a feeling it's going to be a wild ride tonight. Let's go to the Western Mojave line. Western Mojave, you're on Desert Oracle AM live on the radio. Yes. Sir, if you can turn turn your radio down. Sir, can you turn your radio down? Yes. Where are you calling from, sir? I'm calling from Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix, Arizona on the wild card line. That's right. Well, it's excellent to be to be on the air here on Desert Oracle Live. You have a story. What's the topic tonight? We're on open lines on strange tales of the deserts. That's right. Yeah, I have a story about a strange craft that I saw in the sky. A strange craft. Many years ago. What what what's your first name, sir? My this is Jason. Jason from Phoenix, thank you for joining us on the wildcard line. Tell us about this craft that you've seen. So it was many years ago in the early 2000s, and I was with some buddies in Coolidge, Arizona, which is between Phoenix and Tucson. Between Phoenix and Tucson. Is that near Casa Grande? Yes. It's actually the city where the Casa Grande ruins for which Casa Grande is named, are located. So the ruins themselves are actually in Coolidge next. Yeah, so we had had some, some buddies who, for a couple of years driving out to the community college, sorry, for a couple of weeks previous driving out to the community college out there, had spotted these strange lights in the sky. And they had reported seeing them for a couple of weeks. Anyway. Were these among uh, the stars or? No, they were much, much lower than that. They seemed to be only a couple hundred feet in the air. So they had reported seeing these for a couple of weeks. And so word had kind of gotten around with me and my friends. Everybody was trying to figure out what these lights were. Anyway, we were hanging out at home and one of my roommates called out to me and said, hey, you need to come check this out. We can see the lights from the roof. So we went out onto the roof of this place where we were living. It was a two-story spot. You lived and on the roof. Well, no, 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 no. We went out to the roof. Climbed up on the roof. We climbed up, that's right. Out out a window, up a ladder. And we saw these glowing lights that seemed to be in a, a triangle formation. There were a number of them. They were out towards mm-hmm. Signal Peak Mountain. Now, you saw, so we saw these... We saw these lights and we're just... Oh, you're just breaking up a little, sir. Um, You saw three triangle shaped lights, lights in the shape of a triangle, the three points, and only a few hundred feet o- over the mountain, you say? Well, so at this point, these seem to be much higher in the air than what everybody had been seeing for the last couple of weeks. Um, so they, they were higher and farther away, but seemed to resemble what we had been seeing for a couple of weeks. And what happened once you were watching them more closely from the rooftop? So we watched them for quite a while, and they seemed to, to sort of be hovering, which gave us the idea that maybe these were 
flares of some sort uh, or some something maybe from one of the nearby Air Force bases or something. But we watched them for, for a while. I want to say it was maybe, you know, 15 or 20 minutes of just sort of watching these things. And while we were watching them, the sun had set. And at some point after watching these lights, the entire triangle formation shifted to the side. It's sort of the, the, it was almost as if they were performing some sort of aerial maneuver. And the entire triangle shifted and began sort of circling. Like I said, they seemed pretty far away, but circling around us. So we turned around on the roof as we watched these lights travel from a far distance, but kind of circle around us, at which point the three lights shot off in three different directions and disappeared. In different directions. Incredible. And you and how many witnesses? Well, so there were two other witnesses. At one point, there was a fourth, but believe it or not, my fourth roommate got bored during the during the period where the lights weren't uh, ah, doing ah, anything ah, interesting and, and went inside. How long did this encounter from start to finish take? I would say that the encounter, it was all about maybe half an hour long. Did anyone notice any missing time? Well, no, we didn't. But this was, like I said, the early 2000s. So I suppose we could have been up there longer than we had even realized. But um, but none of us were... None of us were watching the clock. I guess our only real sense of how long we'd been there was uh, the fact that the sun had set during the during the time, which you know. This was in was daylight when we daylight out. hours. This was in. It, it started within daylight hours. Yeah, absolutely. Good lord, a daylight yeah, it was, sighting, it was, it was, and it persisted right. after sunset. That's right. It was fairly. It was. It was. It was dark. Yeah when they finally disappeared. Sir, I have to ask, did you, by chance, witness the Phoenix Lights incident of 1997? Well, I guess I have to be honest. I am I believe I did, but I wonder if it's maybe a memory just simply associated with, uh, with having looked at so much material about the lights ever since. But that would have been in, in 1997, right? That's correct. Yeah, so I believe that I would have been at my mom's apartment in Chandler, and I do recall going out. Chandler, Arizona is a, a suburb of Phoenix, and I do recall being out on her patio seeing these strange lights, yeah. Now, have you seen anything of this sort in the years since? No, I, I haven't. Not not since this... Nothing, nothing like this one. I've been hiking out in the superstitions at night, and I've seen strange lights, but nothing that indicated to me that we were looking at something other than maybe a shooting star or potentially a, a, a satellite of some sort. No, this is, this is the only real experience I have with something that I just couldn't explain. Incredible. Incredible. And sir, can I ask what, what you do for your employment there in Phoenix? Yes, I'm a, I'm a writer, and I work for a record store out here called Zia Records. Well, we do appreciate you calling in.
Robert Bell. The legend. What a weird cat he was. Art Bell. He did not invent weird late night radio. Many hosts were doing it around the country in the decades before. Before his West Coast AM and Coast to Coast AM began enchanting the whole country. But he made it art. At his best, he made the lowest form of media, call-in talk radio, into a wonderful sonic performance. An intimate experience, especially if you were out on a desert highway. And of course, he did this from the high desert north of Las Vegas, a desert country town that is plenty weird on its own. Perump from the Kingdom of Nye. That's Nye County, Nevada. That's between Death Valley and Area 51. You can find hours and hours of classic Art Bell shows on the internet. Put on a good one. And go about your business in the evening. And right when you might think there's nothing much going on, it goes weird and it goes deep. 1990s Art Bell Coast to Coast AM. There will never be anything like it. And if there is an afterlife, another side for someone like Art Bell... Well, you can bet he can pick up radio transmissions. So from our side of the Mojave High Desert to Art Bell's side, wherever that may be tonight, Art, I wish you the best safe travels up there, out there. You can almost imagine him floating through space in that double wide he used as a broadcast studio. At the mic, a dozen cats wandering around, clouds of cigarette smoke, the phone lines all lit up. From Amboy to Isaacs, and across the great Mojave wilderness, this program, this show, this is Desert Oracle Radio. We're broadcasting from KCDZ 107.7 FM in Joshua Tree, Friday nights at 10 p.m. And everywhere, all the time with your favorite podcast player. Take a look at our website. DesertOracle.com for information on all such things, including the musical tracks you hear on this program by Joshua Tree's own Red, Blue, Black, Silver. Look them up on Bandcamp. April 26th. Next week, friends. Next week, next Thursday evening, 6 p.m. sharp at the Palm Springs Art Museum. Come on down for Desert Oracle Radio Live. It's on Free Museum Thursday. And good night 
from the Voice of the Desert.